0: Daily Dirt Nap, Money Talks. Own your life. With Jared Dillian and Money Talk on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5.
1: And joining us live on the air is the money guy, Jared Dillian, author of Those Bastards. Another book coming out soon.
0: Yep, January. What's it called? Uh, no Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life. Yeah, right. That doesn't exist.
1: You it wrote a whole exist. book on that?
0: Yeah. It's a short book. What is it? A, <laughs> I was going to say, what is it, a pamphlet?
1: <laughs> Here's some light reading. It's a short book. <laughs> no, really. It's possible?
0: What? No, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the goal is to not even think about money.
1: Yes. Can you like, do that? Can you do that with food?
0: Can not think about food?
1: Yeah. Can you have a, a stress-free food life? Yeah. I. You I should mean, write look, that look book <laughs> Look at this Don't make me look at you
0: I'm
1: fat <laughs> Look at his hairy nipples I don't want to look at that either
0: You know, did you know that Nick got kicked out of Wisconsin for being too drunk? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I must Which per- liver told you that? <laughs> I must have forgot that <laughs> I once drank so much that a little white flag popped out of where my liver was. And I looked it's like at it like a pop up
1: timer and yeah. a turkey.
0: I looked at it and I was said, like, oh, my liver's given up. And then I came to me, no, it's one more lap. <laughs> one more lap.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Jared. I want to, I want to live a stress free life. How do we do it?
0: Do you do you want to talk about this right now? I,
1: I do. I, I would just want to ask you, like, give me one tip to live a stress-free life. Well, give, give me one stepping stone in that path.
0: There's two sources of financial stress. There's only Ooh. two. Only two. And one of them is debt, mm-hmm. and the other is risk.
1: Mm, and if you I can, can't
0: take risks. If you can minimize your debt and you can minimize your risk, mm-hmm. you will live a stress-free financial life. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Yeah. But you have
1: to make uh, enough money to eliminate the debt, because there's a reason why you got into debt, no?
0: Not having enough money is not a source of financial stress. You have people who are dead broke who mm-hmm. don't have any financial stress. They pay their bills, and they're fine, and they're happy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's billionaires like Elon Musk, the richest guy in the world, has financial stress. Like, he bought Twitter— And and he collateralized it with Tesla stock and Tesla went down to $100 a share and people thought Elon Musk was going to go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. The richest guy in the world has financial stress. Mm -hmm. It's all how you structure your life. Okay. You know. I gotcha.
1: So um, we were just talking about George Soros and Alex Soros and um, do you have any, does that cross over into your world at all?
0: Yeah, it does. So, um, you know, George Soros was a trader he was a portfolio manager mm-hmm. and i got to tell you he was he he's in cooperstown he's the best he's the best in history a lot of people don't know that about him a lot of people really associate him with his political activities but in the financial world he's he's the best
1: now, like, what, what made him the best? Like, how did you gauge that? I'm just curious. So
0: he wrote a book, I think in the early 90s or late 80s, called The Alchemy of Finance. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that George Soros is the worst writer in the world. Oh, It okay. is terrible.
1: Did someone it's, write it for him? Because no, English it, is a no, second if, language. if somebody
0: wrote it for him, it would have been better. It was terrible. Uh-huh. It just it, it, terrible writer. But basically... Soros doesn't think of himself as a trader. He thinks of himself as a philosopher. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this philosophy called reflexivity. And what that means is, is that markets are a self-reinforcing process. Mm-hmm. Which, So, for example, you take a stock like XYZ stock. The stock people buy the stock, so the stock goes up, which gets people excited, so more people buy the yeah. stock and then more people buy right. the stock and it so basically things trend, and these these trends feed on themselves mm-hmm. and they become a self reinforcing process yeah. so he was really the first to identify this and made twenty two billion dollars off of that philosophy trading. so he
1: would. Cause the trends to happen. So he would make yes interesting sort of like the GameStop thing.
0: He actually has a quote that when he sees a bubble forming in financial markets, he goes in and makes it bigger. Mm -hmm. But that's
1: what happened with GameStop.
0: Yeah. Similar. I I, like, so anyway, he, he had a hedge fund Mm -hmm. for many, many years. And I want to say about six or seven years ago, he converted the hedge fund into a family office and what that means is you know he was managing money for outside investors, and he returned the money to outside investors and he now he's only managing his own money and it's thirty or forty billion or something like that yeah um and what that does is if you're a family office, it sort of makes you exempt from a lot of the regulations that are affecting hedge funds mm. so he has a family- and it's massive i mean they have hundreds of employees mm-hmm. um
1: what does that mean, a family office?
0: Well, that's, you know, a lot of very wealthy people, you know, sent to millionaires and billionaires like they have, they, they, they have a dedicated investment team to manage their money. Mm-hmm. It's like a hedge fund, but they don't take money from outside investors. Okay. It's just internal. Okay, so gotcha. And he's old. he's like ninety two at this point. Mm-hmm. so he's basically passed down the management of that to his sons. Robert Soros mm-hmm. is, I think, the guy that manages the family office. okay. Um, but he believes you know, his open society philosophy, I think, is really formed from his experience as a Hungarian Jew. And uh, things that happened during World War Two and Nazism and stuff like that. So he's very much against fascism. Um, you know, a lot of people sort of view him as like this left wing hack, but it's really more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I'm a Soros fan or I'm a fan of his politics, but he's a pretty complex guy. And there's just there's just a lot to there's a lot to understand there, you know, about him. So,
1: well, he's wreaking a lot of havoc.
0: Yeah, for sure. With yeah
1: prosecute, po- prosecutors and he's very misguided, um, in a lot of those policies which are causing havoc for all the little people. Yep. Um, and uh, and his son is is carrying that torch now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he's in the ears of you know all the uh, big shot liberals that are running this country.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean,
0: yep. Do you I... think?
1: Do you think Bidenomics is working?
0: So, actually, that's what I meant to talk about when I came in. Mm-hmm. So, I, I have you ever heard of something called the Beige Book? Do you know what that means? Beige Book. No. Okay. So, the Beige Book – so, the Fed collects a lot of economic data. They have thousands of data series, mm-hmm. okay? But they also have this thing called the Beige Book which is anecdotal data about Mm -hmm. the economy. So they talk to manufacturers, they talk to retailers, Mm -hmm. they talk to, and they do this across the country and they get anecdotal information about the economy. So me as a newsletter writer, you know, I have 4,300 subscribers and a lot of my subscribers run these manufacturing concerns and retailers and stuff like that. And the data I'm getting from people is that the economy is slowing down fast. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of anecdotes from people, you know, and I can tell you, even just building my house, right? Like we got a quote to build the staircase in the front entrance mm-hmm. and they said it was going to cost X to build the staircase. And, you know, I freaked out. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous price. I'm not paying that. Give me some alternatives. They actually brought the price down by $13,000. Mm. This would not have happened a year ago. No. During you the pay pandemic. You pay it or... Forget yeah, it. people are bringing move on, prices we'll move down. On. Things mm-hmm. are slowing down. Mm-hmm. So this is what this means. Going into an election year in 2024, the economy is slowing down. The economy is going to get worse. Now you're seeing Russia and Saudi Arabia cut back production of oil. The price of oil has gone from $68 a barrel to $89 a barrel in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I think that Russia and Saudi Arabia... Don't want Biden as president. I think they're trying to engineer a recession Mm -hmm. in 2024 to get a Republican in office, whether that's Trump or somebody else, somebody that's more friendly to Russia and Saudi Arabia. So I think 24 is going to be a pretty bumpy year economically.
1: You know, what's interesting and what you're saying is I believe I read an article recently, and Nick, maybe you have seen it in your uh, local news research that uh, there was a lot of talk about business being off. This summer Mm -hmm. in Myrtle Beach. I did see them. I saw that article. I saw back in the spring they talked about if spring break was any indicator, we were going to have kind of like a down summer here. They said it was flat. Yes. And so they were right. Their forecast was right. It was kind of flat. The one thing I do see, though, Jared, and I'm wondering if you see this. Um, maybe the lower end type of restaurants are not doing as well as the high end. The people who have money still have money, and they're still going out and dining at those you know hundred dollar per person restaurants. But I think the rest of us that don't dine at those restaurants on a regular basis, those are like special occasion restaurants. I think you know that's like the first thing that you stop doing is going out to grab a quick bite, yeah. And I'm thinking about all the things we start to trim off, like, well, I don't need to go to the gym. I'll just walk around the neighborhood and buy a set of weights.
0: I went out to lunch with my wife over the weekend. It was 50 bucks for two people. It's ridiculous. Like, you can't do that on a regular insane. basis. Yeah. Yeah. And the service is not so great. Pretty mm. much where you go. That's true. It's really not. Yeah. So people are cutting back. It's we're, I don't know if we're going to have a recession, but things are things are going to get soft here pretty soon. And I get the the number one determinant of sentiment going into election is gas prices mm-hmm. gas prices right now around here around three forty something like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if we have gas prices of four fifty oh, next boy. year, mm-hmm. like it's
1: is it heading that way,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, I could show you oh a chart of oil prices. it's yeah, yeah, so
1: that's do we have any more reserves
0: to? Well, we sold about 300 million barrels out of the strategic petroleum reserve. Did we refill it? We refilled about 3 million barrels.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> we are so in trouble. Yeah. Now I was hearing that um if if China goes after Taiwan, we have about a day and a half's worth of missiles. Like we don't even have we have given so I think what another billion dollars is going to Ukraine.
0: Uh, I can't remember. It's, they just pledged it yesterday. It was, yeah. I think 520 million. Okay. Million Five.
1: So, and we have given them so much weaponry and, and, um, uh, you know, whatever we can give lethal aid and financial aid. And we, I, I was listening today that we, we barely have a couple of days worth to defend ta- Taiwan. Where yeah. is that going to leave us? If China China takes over Taiwan, and, do you think anyone and by the talking way, about that? The,
0: the thing I want to point out about that is China. Is experiencing extreme economic stress at the moment, mm-hmm. like they are going into a depression. So, you remember if you remember the financial crisis in two thousand eight, China built just a ridiculous amount of buildings, mm-hmm. uh, apartment buildings, office buildings. If you probably saw in sixty Minutes, they had that special about the ghost cities in mm-hmm. China. They built yeah. entire cities and nobody moved into well, wh- them. Why? So, what they're experiencing right now is the hangover from that, and. You know, they could have they could they could actually be in a depression. They could have a serious depression. But,
1: but we keep hearing how China is this economic giant. So to me, this doesn't add up.
0: Well, that is true. They're the second biggest economy in the world. They are. So
1: how does the second biggest economy go broke?
0: Because it's not a free market economy. It's what's called state directed capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's sort of pseudo capitalistic. And you know, in in the United States, if if we build too many buildings. Basically, market forces kick in and prices come down, but they don't really respond to market forces. It's all state directed, uh-huh. so that's why this has been able to continue for so long. But I can tell you that if China goes into a depression, it makes them more, not less, likely to attack Taiwan.
1: Because they need the financial basis that that would give them because of the the tech, uh, you know, conductor uh, it, semiconductor it, it, industry. No, or? it
0: really has to do with you know their she's hold on chinese society is very weak mm-hmm. and if there's dissent if there's if people are unhappy with how the economy is being mismanaged they'll you know they'll
1: well, i mean revolt. everybody's uh, talking about these apps these shine apps and these Timu apps and and how i mean everybody's ordering from this alibaba um just funding human rights violations i mean left and right right i mean slavery that these people are enslaved in these factories making these fast fashions and which are by the way bad for the environment but nobody cares so i mean you would think that with all the things that we're buying from china how could they possibly be failing
0: uh, one other one I, i'm not going to answer your question but i'd make one other point Uh, Mm -hmm. I was on Twitter the other day, and I saw Vivek was making a point about how we should pull back trade with China. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're a bad actor and we don't want to deal with bad guys and stuff. It's fine. But the problem is is that if we pull back trade from China, it makes us more likely to go to war with them. You don't go to war with your trading partners. There was an economist in France in the 19th century. His name was Frederick Bastiat. You might have mm-hmm. heard of him. He was like a libertarian economist. And he had a famous quote. He said, if goods don't cross borders, armies will. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the thing that scares me. Like, I don't really want to pull back trade with China. I don't want a war with China. Like, mm-hmm. I, nobody wants that. Yeah. You know? So... We yeah. have we as a country. Well, that we was have, the whole concept we of... have never been at war with a country with a McDonald's.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But but you see a lot of these places closing up in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> the McDonald's and
0: stuff. Yeah. Nick's waving his hand over yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, we just have you said a question. You told me to open the text app. Sure. Mm-hmm. Get off me. <laughs> Jared. <laughs>
1: Would it be better to keep a condo that is 95% mortgaged or simply
0: sell it in this market and be free of the liability? They're keeping it, the plan was, or they're currently doing that uh, for renting it out, extra income. Uh, It depends what your time horizon is. If you're going to keep it for a year or two, then I would sell it. But if you're going to keep it for 10 or 20 years, then just forget about it and just hold on to it. So long-term? Yeah, long-term. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, Jared Dillian. Nick,
0: Nick, did you see my tweet about uh, giving money to charity? No, I missed it. You, oh. oh, you got to pull it up. I'm going to pull it? it up. What is it? What is
1: it? Hold on.
0: I mean, I was distracted this morning. I'm He's sorry.
1: He's really distracted. I'll, I'll,
0: actually, I'll actually just tell you what I said. Okay. So I try to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I try to give 50% of my money to charity. Here it is. Yeah. 50? 50%. Yeah. And when she's not working, I give it to Destiny. <laughs>